Frank, I just want to let you know that it's very, very important to wear a helmet at all times, regardless of if you're on a bike or on a one wheel or whatever you're doing, wear a helmet, Frank. Well, I already know the answer to this question, but James, where's this coming from? Oh, well, you know that a helmet has saved my life twice, right? My response is always stop falling on your head, James. There are better ways to take a fall, but what's assuming I'm going to think best of you and they were out of your control. Uh, Did a helmet save your life recently? Yeah, about a week ago or so. I mean, I always like to say when when you when you take a tumble on a on a some sort of vehicle that's not a motorized Uh. vehicle or a motorized vehicle or anything that's not a vehicle like a car, um, (laughs) a bicycle per per se. You're Um, killing me. (laughs) Often, often you only have a few ways to fall. Now, the way to not fall is to is the worst way to fall is to put out your hands. You don't want to do that. That's a bad idea. You want to kind of tuck. No, because you'll break your arm, Frank. You'll break. Yeah, it's better to break your arm than your head, though. But sure. Well, if you have a helmet on, that's going to save your head um, <laughs> in general. So I, seven years ago, I had an accident in downtown Seattle, in uh, which is very unfortunate. I skid across an intersection and shattered my helmet. That one wow. definitely saved my life. Um, that one Scary. was a little bit out of my control. Yeah. Um, luckily, Ooh, okay. surprises. Give, give me a little heart attack over here. Uh, well, surpri- trigger surpri- warnings to everyone like me. <laughs> surprisingly, <laughs> that, surprisingly, that one. I didn't really have any, any scrapes or, or bruises. I did like my shoulder got scraped up and was a, bl- a little bloody, but I didn't, I didn't, nothing happened. Right. And then last week I went head over handlebars on my bicycle, which was very unfortunate. Oh, I haven't done that since I was a kid. And even as a kid that hurt and kids yes. just bounce off things. Yes. Well, when you're going pretty much downhill into a circle and a pothole jumps out at you and you make the wrong <laughs> decision of jamming on some brakes, uh, and not really realizing how powerful disc brakes are. They're very powerful. <laughs> um, wow. Know, so you, your, your front brakes caught, you went a, 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 a tumbling, a, a, a flying, a something. I, I went a tumbling to the, um, top right of my bicycle onto my, wow. onto my chin through a circle and, <sighs> and stuff. So I got a few, few stitches. They're out now. I'm all, I'm okay. Whoa. My arm is a little messed up. Got a lot of x-rays um, on everything. No broken bones somehow. No broken teeth. I have no idea how well, this happened. Well, that's good. Yeah. Uh, Skin heals. Teeth don't. That's yes. good. Skin heals. So anyways, wear a helmet is what I'm saying. And don't forget to vote. Wow. Okay. Non sequitur, but I'll accept it. <laughs> I've already voted. You vote yet? We live <laughs> in great vote. states. I did vote. Yeah. Uh, it, it's pretty easy here. Yeah. We get it in the mail and I just take it over to the box. It was a long ballot. I had to do a lot of research for this ballot because it's always so many propositions and all that stuff too. So it's like, yeah, the presidential thing, that was like the easiest thing on the ballot. And then the rest I had to do a lot of research on. <laughs> you got city councils, you got the house, and you got this, and you got that. How many all the judges bonds. do we have? Oh, a my lot. God. Every, so every, like every six months, we're voting on judges. Uh, yes, <laughs> democracy. <that's true. laughs> it's yes, good. But <laughs> we're <happy>. voted. <laughs> you know, this is, this is going to come out, and we can remind people to vote next week, too. So uh, if you're not in the States, then I guess you don't have to worry about it. But you should still vote anyways in your local elections. It's very important. And I, I did, it's hard to do the research. They send you the pamphlet. I looked in the local newspaper and also sort of the, the weekly 
one that's like you know more kind of out there newspaper which i like to see where <laughs> what people are saying yeah. about people and there's some good websites that are very non-partisan um, which is good like the ballots like the bonds they're worded so so oddly you're like i don't even know oh, yeah. what is this gonna do i don't i'm so confused as a politician i apologize because i've had to write such kind of stuff it's you're trying to summarize a three thousand word thing and uh you know a paragraph it's hard uh you know they do a decent job with the the pamphlets that we get because you get um i don't I, I don't pay attention i'm so bad but you get um an argument for an argument against and then the counter arguments for both of those and i kind of really love it because uh unfortunately you fall into the trap of you vote for the person who has the best writers so all the politicians out there pro tip get a really good writer on your team i also i've also enjoyed when the pro or against are by um, you know, people that run different initiatives in the community or by different businesses that maybe you respect and things like that, you know, about, um, there was one year that the, the, the individual that runs Molly moon in Seattle, she, she wrote the, I think the, the for or against something, but I know all about the history of Molly moon. I know all about her, uh, cause I've watched documentaries and, and the transparency, the wage transparency say that she, um, spearheaded there which is cool. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that more transparency in those things are, are very good to have uh, in general. Yeah. Overall, I just kind of love local politics. So <laughs> voting time is a fun time. It's almost, I, the, the federal stuff is a little bit of a sideshow. And ever, <laughs> and ever since I, ever since I moved to the Pacific Northwest and they made it so easy to vote, really, honestly, like mail-in voting is honestly the best thing ever created. It's so easy. It, 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 it I don't understand what we're going to actually talk about real stuff, but we, you know, Heather <laughs> and I were sitting down and doing the exact same thing that you were doing, which was let's go through our ballot and look at the things. And I couldn't imagine like standing in line and then going to the poll. I know million, tens of millions of people are about to go do this and I'm sorry, yeah. but not necessarily the standing in line. I don't mind doing that, but actually getting up to that box to the thing and, trying to remember what all of the initiatives are for or wanting to do research, it would take me forever. I'd have to have a, I'd have to have a whole one sheet. You know what I mean? I'd yeah. have to do the research before doing the research before standing in line to go do it. It'd be uh, bananas. And ours was literally two pamphlets. It was two books. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. how much. And I think it took me three hours to fill out the ballot. I know other people, I'm sure you're smarter than me and you can fill it out much faster, but I totally understand. And I had the exact same thought as you. I've voted uh, in those booths before, and I don't remember how I used to do it. Did I just pick people by like, did I like their name or not? I don't know how I possibly voted before I was able to sit down and Google everything. You know, we were thinking about that, and I was pretty young. And I think when I went in to vote, I believe that maybe I only voted for a few of the top election spots, like the major ones. Uh, you know, your house and you just yeah. kind of go a party line, but then any of the other stuff, I, I would just leave blank because if I, I don't, well, I don't know what it does. I don't feel like I should <laughs> vote, which is bad, but it's better than yeah. voting, I guess for the thing. I don't know. It's, it's a hard never, thing to say. I've never liked abstaining. I'm like, yeah, you know, pick, pick a side, but I'm sure there are philosophies prone against abstaining. Yeah. Ah, okay. So 
Okay. That was fun. So vote, <laughs> I mean, wear okay, a helmet. We've done helmets, okay, done. voting. Mm-hmm. Uh, have we covered all the topics? Those are the most important things. Well, what about running iOS applications on a Mac? Oh, that's impossible, James. Why, why would we even talk about that? Well, no. because there's a lot of cool pieces of technology, Frank. We have DTK systems in front of us that apparently mm-hmm. at some point can run just any good old iOS application. I can't get mine to upgrade, so who knows if it'll ever work. And then we also have the age old, it's the old technology at this point, Frank, the decaying technology of Catalyst, if you will. It's been out for... Ah. No, it's only been out for like a year, right? So <laughs> it's not that old. <laughs> so it's pretty young. It's this young, this young technology that really at this year's WWDC got backed upon um, by Apple again, which is Catalyst. And you and I talked about it in our WWDC recap. However, apparently uh, you have an update for us, Frank. Is that correct? I do. I do. I spent a day hacking, 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 James, on a single minded mission to enable Catalyst for Xamarin iOS apps, the kind of apps I write all the time. And I would love to spend an evening with you talking it over because I'm very proud of the work I did here. And I think it's going to enable some fun new scenarios. But uh, where to even start? Like, uh, should we give some more background on all this stuff? Um, I don't know. It's your show. Okay, so we'll, we'll, we're going to stick strictly to Catalyst, not the new Apple Silicon stuff, but Catalyst, let me see if I can summarize this in a nutshell. Catalyst is, in theory, a checkbox that you check that says, I would like my application to also be compatible on macOS devices. And when you do that, it enables you to compile a macOS application. You can add some additional you know, menu support, some things like that to it. Um, but it gives you a Mac OS application that you can put into the Mac app store. And what Apple has done is I believe that they've written all the libraries that need to be supported on Mac OS. So there's like a shim layer, almost like P invoking in some way, but <laughs> it's like they've, they've, you know, ported over UI kit and they ported over all the things to make it compatible. So when, you compile up this special app bundle that enables Catalyst. It's sort of injecting all that junk in there to make it run for macOS, <laughs> like a big library. All that junk. Maybe. All that junk. All yeah. Junk. <laughs> yeah, I think the elevator pitch is take your iOS app and sell it on the Mac App Store. Because what we're really talking about is um, we've written a bunch of apps and we want to be cross-platform developers, but it can be a lot of work supporting multiple platforms. We work really hard to make that easier and everything, but truth is it takes effort. The neat thing is, is that revelation, as you said, it's a checkbox. So we're talking 99 to 100% um, code sharing between an iOS app and a Mac app. And as someone who has written a lot of iOS and Mac apps, that sounds pretty wonderful (laughs) to me, James, because it allows you to focus down on one API, in this case, UIKit, for building user interfaces. Um, Otherwise, it's just a normal app. You know, it compiles code and all that stuff. So it's it's interesting. There are still some questions like how do in-app purchases work and all that kind of stuff. But just as a technology, I want it for that 
beautiful, beautiful feature of being 100% code share between platforms. Yeah. And I think many people at this point would say, well, well, couldn't you just add a, you know, Mac OS, if you're using Xamarin Forms, couldn't you use a Mac OS uh, head project, which I've definitely done. My stream timer on Mac OS is just a Xamarin Forms application. So I've never gone into AppKit and had to mess around with any of that shenanigans. Um, you know, and and I just use this normal XAML that I've, that I've used for a while. The difference, though, is that you sort of have to ensure that the Xamarin Forms Mac OS head is is feature complete, feature rich, which is still kind of in previous. It's not a, a shipping 100% stable product uh, as far as, you know, there being a checkbox, you know, it's, I, although I ship the app to the App Store and lots of people download mm-hmm. it. And if you make an app or a, a, just a normal iOS uh uh, or sorry, a normal Mac application, then you, you of course, don't get any of that shared code, right? So you could add that Xamarin Forms project to it and and do that. And let's say even they were 100% the same, there's the the quirk, which is, well, you got to go write the Mac OS code to go do the things if there's any platform-specific things. And okay, Xamarin Essentials has some of the stuff now. We're kind of we're irking it in there, but uh, there's there's more testing. There's more things to do there. It's not just one app that magically works on multiple platforms, sort of the the UWP esque of the world, right? Where a UWP app could work on a, the desktop, on an Xbox, and 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 at one point back in the day, a phone, you know. So that magical bit. Um, but the difference is that they've sort of macOSified the iOS application in a way where whatever is running on the iOS device, like you said, in theory, is going to be working and acting 100% the same on Mac OS, like in-app purchases, which we assume work. I'm not 100% sure, <laughs> but I guess, you know, one set of code is what I'm saying is you don't have another head project really inside of there that you're messing too much around with. Yeah, uh, perfectly said. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, it's kind of funny. I was daydreaming a little bit. I was thinking um, it's uh, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like UWP. UWP was Microsoft's answer to we have a lot of different kind of hardware out there and we need a user interface library that can adapt itself to all this different hardware. Well, Apple has done the same thing, but they chose UIKit to kind of be their cross-platform thing. And so their big pitch has been, if you write a really good iPad app and then convert that over with the magic checkbox over to Mac, it's going to be a good Mac app. And so that's that kind of unification of their platform. You mentioned the DDK earlier, and that's uh, when the ARM64 chips come out. And that'll be awesome because people will just be able to run iOS apps natively. But there's a lot of Intel hardware out there. You know, all Macs out there today are Intel. And so it'd be wonderful to have that same story. So all that's wonderful. There was just one little hitch. Uh, none of that was working with Xamarin iOS. It was working in Xcode, but not if you use C Sharp or F Sharp like I use to write your apps. And that was annoying to me. Yes. So I believe there's some open issues, some development maybe starting. Maybe you know there's priorities. There's things that are happening. We're entering obviously iOS 14 season. We're in the middle of a global pandemic. There's you know, productization. <laughs> there's a bunch of other things. Uh, I'm not going to talk about inside baseball necessarily, but you know it's on the radar. You know, if if anything, of of for the Xamarin team uh, to to do it. And and while I belittle it down to a checkbox. Uh, I'm assuming that Frank, it's not just a checkbox. 
oh no, it was a ton of work. <laughs> I I really was I I've given up on it so many times at this point that that that's why I'm so excited to talk about it because I really feel like I finally made a breakthrough on something that was really just driving me nuts. But um, uh, to get to it, yeah, I I totally knew where uh Xamarin and Microsoft were coming from. I just wasn't happy about it. Of course, I want things now, but I totally got where that was coming from. The real issue was I had this annoying little devil frank in the back of my head and i think it's like 15 year old frank just kept screaming it's not that hard you can do this like it's you know i you you know the fundamental pieces of how this stuff works you know how to build each one of them just you know do it (laughs) just do it man how hard could it be and so i had that little devil in the back of my head and i tried once and I just got lost in all the Xamarin code. The cool thing is Xamarin's open source. So you can just go look at all this stuff. How does how does Xamarin iOS work? Well, the code's right there. Go read it. Good luck. <laughs> and but I just I just failed on that first attempt. Yeah, I I have to imagine that it's relatively complex and <laughs> I have not only this process, but of course the, the, the Xamarin code base and, and obviously the iOS code base and how compilers work are also complex, you know, and I have definitely added some code to Xamarin Android before I've poked around in the iOS stuff. I've done episodes on the Xamarin show on the, uh, and also the community standups talking about how to contribute code and do bindings. And it's, uh, you know, it, it it's, it's cool that you can do it. I'm just not that low level of a programmer. That's my problem, right? I see the low level, the, the, the wizardry that happens behind the scenes, and it's always scared me away from contributing more. However, there are people like Frank Krueger that love that type of stuff. So I have to imagine that while maybe you gave up initially, I have a feeling that the itch kept on itching and that you had to keep going for it. Yeah, 15-year-old Frank is a real jerk. He just kept screaming at me. He's like, come on, come on. You failed that one time. How hard could this be? Keep trying. Um, I don't love this stuff. I don't want to be doing this stuff. <laughs> just have this annoying voice in the back of my head. Uh, so it, it's uh, lots of time went by. I pondered where I went wrong and all that kind of stuff. And what I figured out was I was attacking it from the wrong side. Um, I was attacking it from the build side. So I, you know, started with the Xamarin task. How does the Xamarin task work? You know, figure all that stuff out. What I found out pretty quickly was I need to start from the ground up with Mono itself. Mono needs to be recompiled for Mac Catalyst. Because although Mac Catalyst is x86, is 64-bit Intel code, x86-64, um, it has some magical flag in it. And all their compilers will reject Intel 64-bit code unless it was specifically compiled for Mac Catalyst. So that was the big realization I came to was, uh (laughs) uh-oh, I got to start at the very bottom. I thought I was just going to be able to reuse the Mac version of Mono, but no, no, I have to start way down deep. Ah, I see, yes. So there are quite a few pieces to just running a Xamarin iOS or Mac application. So we should maybe even start before talking about the work that you did, talk about how those things work, what pieces need to go. But first, let's take a quick break and thank our amazing sponsor this week, 
Raygun. Listen, have you ever wondered if you could be offering a faster, less buggy application experience for your customers? I know I do all the time. And check it out. With Raygun application performance monitoring, you have all the information you need at your fingertips to find and fix errors and performance problems across your tech stack down to the line of code that's causing that problem. Raygun makes it easy to monitor the impact of your performance improvements, keyword impact, right? And quickly identify and resolve issues and see how your code performs in the hands of your customers, saving you time, money, and sanity. Got to stay sane in these times. Visit raygun.com and join thousands of customer-centric software teams who use Raygun every day to deliver flawless experience for their customers for all of their applications. That's raygun.com to get your free 14-day trial. Thanks to Raygun for sponsoring this week's pod. Thank you, Raygun. And thank you, James, for not mentioning my apps need Raygun. <laughs> You're welcome. You're well. Your apps are flawless, Frank. <laughs> They're flawless, but you know what wasn't my build scripts. Uh, I feel like I don't know anyone who watches my tri- uh, Twitch stream sees that I just live in error messages. You know, hundred errors. Okay, got to work through every single one of these. So what I decided to do was get mono compiling for Mac Catalyst, and I learned very quickly I have no idea how to compile mono. Ah, so. It's- so let me get this straight though. So there's, there's obviously mono is done at runtime that runs, uh, th- that enables, you know, iOS, Android, Mac OS through, through Xamarin, the framework and cause Xamarin itself does multiple things. It enables the .NET code to be run, but it also has all the bindings, right. That the make and the builds and all the magical things that enable you as a, a, a .NET C sharp, F sharp VB developer to build those apps. But what you're mm-hmm. saying is that, that you can't just use the runtime that was for iOS for Catalyst. What you're saying is that you'd have to use the Mac version. I guess it's running on a Mac, but the Mac version of the runtime. But wouldn't that defeat the purpose of Catalyst, which is that it's just iOS? Yeah, it's so easy to get confused. Trust me, (laughs) (laughs) because that's where I went wrong on my second time. Um, I, I found out that there was this just flat out compiler thing, like the compiler is just not going to accept it unless you run the compiler with this magical flag. So need to get that magical flag in there. But I made that, I made, I did exactly as you said, I thought I started with the Mac version of mono and I just compiled the Mac version of mono with that flag. And it turns out that was completely the wrong (laughs) thing to do, but I didn't realize it at the time. All I found out was after another long day of work, just nothing was working, just error messages everywhere. I had made a mess of the mono build because the mono build is complicated. It's make files everywhere. And it was just a disaster. And I was like, I, it's frustrating because it's like, I know fundamentally what needs to happen. I just don't have the skills and knowledge to make it happen. So it's very demoralizing. I didn't know what to do after that. So more time passed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I, I decided. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't even know where to start. By the way, I've already given up, um, probably months ago. So yeah, um, but I'm sorry. We were supposed to talk about a uh, little high level. So let's talk about layers real quick. So you have um, the native operating system, whatever that happens to be, Windows, Linux, Mac. Uh, then you have Mono, the the .NET runtime running there, and Mono has a lot of different ways to. Uh, run like if you do AOT mono is barely there you know if you do AOT your code is just running but if you run like the interpreter you know mono's doing a lot of work so there's varying amounts that the runtime actually does 
Xamarin is a layer on top of that. And Xamarin is primarily concerned with talking to different user interfaces. So talking to the Android system and talking to the Mac system. I keep saying user interface, but really anything OS specific, mm-hmm. you know, so Android specific, Mac, now OS specific. So those are the layers. Um, and then if you want to get really technical, you have the build system on top of that and then the IDE integration on top of that. So all of that stuff has to be done to make this actually work. It's it's in this process that I started to realize why uh, Microsoft has been like, yeah, okay, uh, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> so um, I decided to go for an easy win. I wanted to try to at least get the Xamarin parts compiling with uh, that magical compiler flag that makes Mac Catalyst work. Mm-hmm. And... I worked hard, worked hard, struggled through errors. Uh, oh boy, the the build system takes a little bit of time. You need a beefy computer. You need lots of hard drive space because you're going to need lots of versions of Xcode installed. But uh, you can get through it. And with enough whining and crying and sadness, I got Xamarin compiled for Mac Catalyst. And I felt like king of the world, James. I'm like... It's only one piece of the puzzle, but at least it was done, and I was very excited. So you you had just the pure, just runtime working, basically. No, not I don't have the runtime working yet. Nope, don't get ahead of me. I have purely Xamarin, so let's call that um, Objective-C technically kind of working in the case of iOS. In Android, it would be talking to the Java, run t- talking to, uh, whatever, Delvic? Is that what the runtime is called? Art or Dalvik, yes. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so the, uh, so Xamarin is that magical layer that's able to talk to those other object-oriented systems. And so I had that working, but it's just a piece, you know? It's, it's just a middle layer in the puzzle. I still didn't have Mono itself running in Mac Catalyst. Mm, got it, got it. Yep, yep. So what that meant was, so here comes uh, attempt number four. I woke up one morning and I really didn't want to do it, but I had one idea for how I thought maybe I could do the mono version slightly better than I did it last time. And I won't get so confused by everything. And um, I started basically a new target for mono. Like I ignored Mac. I just said, I'm going to start from scratch. And I actually more copied all of the iOS stuff. And so Mm. I just, I made, instead of copying the Mac stuff, I copied the iOS stuff, which in retrospect makes more sense because what is Catalyst? It's an iOS running kind of on Mac. So ignore the Mac parts, focus on the iOS parts. And that was the big kind of revelation. That's when things started to click into place. The coolest thing was when i got mono to compile i'm not talking about running (laughs) but just compiling it felt so good you saw this 20 megabyte (laughs) dll basically it's called dilib on mac and ios but this thing was there and i'm like i did it i built mono i for for years i'm like yeah i'm a mono hacker i i hack the mono but finally james i had built my own mono with my own compiler set I felt so proud. That's pretty cool, right? That's because that means at this point you're able to, with with those flags, be like, "Hey, in my version of things, 
you know, do stuff and you can almost have a clean separation where you could contribute back. So it's not going to mess up iOS or Mac or anything like that. It's, it's a special catalyst build. Yeah. And, and that was a big issue during all of this. A, a lot of what I could have done was very hacky. I could have just, you know, search and replaced and put that compiler flag exactly where I needed it to be. Mm-hmm. But I knew at some point I'd want to contribute this back in some form or another. And I didn't, <laughs> I know a few of the mono runtime people and I could just see them rolling their eyes. If I did it too hacky, they're really good programmers and I respect them so much and I don't want to be handing them a bunch of like ugly hacks. So I I was really proud that I had that clean solution that I was in control of and I wasn't going to interfere with anyone else's. You know, I had no chance of breaking anyone else and that just felt so good. So once you had this big dialogue, I mean, it's just a big library, right? It's just sitting there on your desktop and you're staring at it. Like, what do I do? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So what do I do now? Um, I, I, I created a million sample projects in Xamarin. I created a million sample projects in Xcode and compared compiler settings, how the package is made. And what I ended up doing was building a little build tool. So in the same way that there is a Xamarin iOS build tool or a target, however you want to think about it, there's one for Mac. I built my own other little one. And I did it with an eye toward, I didn't actually want to do a whole build of your app because that would be frustrating. I wanted to take your iOS build and just kind of turn it into a Mac build. And so I built a tool that, uh, with that objective of just pointed at your already built iOS app and magic presto bango, uh, it'll just output a Mac app for you. That, that, that was the goal. So I started writing that tool. Yeah, that sort of makes sense where, you know, often when you're publishing an application, let's say I'm publishing a WPF or a UWP application on the desktop, uh, or even a, um, you know, even a iOS or an Android application, often you're going in and you're like, Hey, I want these different type of um, architecture types, right? I want x86, x64 and arm, you know, give me all three of these. And it pumps out a bunch of bundles for you. And you're like, cool. I just, it did it. So it's sort of taking the initial and it's compiling and it's just like, okay, now here's the next one. And then here's the next step. Right. So I'm, I've always sort of imagined that the catalyst step is, Hey, I've built my app and now kind of shim it into and rebuild it into this other extra package and it would pump out another package for me. So that's how I always kind of assumed it would work. Grant, granted, like I never tested it on, on Xcode mm-hmm. or anything like that, but that was sort of my assumption going into it is that it would be just another thing you would turn on because for some people, they may not want their app on the Mac, although, you know, that's up to you, but as soon Apple's mm-hmm. just not going to let you, it's just going to happen anyway. <laughs> uh, I guess you can opt out. You can opt out. But yeah, um, like you said, when that happens, this piece of technology will be a little bit more important because who knows when the full, full Apple switch to Apple Silicon will be. And even then it's going to be forever and a day until we, we get hundred percent Apple Silicon out there and we'll, it'll never be a day that's hundred percent, but you know, until, you know, three, four, five years from now, we have a bigger, bigger, you know, installation base uh, out there. So, you know, it's, it's important to be able to to separate that. And then also like, you're going to get those build artifacts at the end of the day where you're like, Oh, here, here's the iOS app. Here's the Mac app. Like, okay, now I see what's going on here. 
Yeah, exactly. And I've built complicated build steps before. Wii has, when you do a WebAssembly build using Wii, it goes through a very complicated linking step and, you know, complicated stuff. <laughs> I don't want to rewrite that again. It's a lot of work. Uh, I've seen the source code. But at the same time, um, to give you that magical experience that you kind of expect and want out of all this stuff, it does at some point it, properly it should be integrated with the ios build system itself because that's the one it can share the most stuff with mm -hmm. uh, it's just a matter of doing an extra little step in the end to output the mac app and so that'll be the proper clean way to do it the reason i didn't do it this time though is because i just made a mess of that code um, <laughs> it's complicated <laughs> um, i don't understand it fully and i keep trying to modify it, and i just keep breaking everything and so i just i wanted to work kind of in an independent layer and then when it comes time to integrate it i can integrate it but yeah uh i i agree with you we i want this to be just a nice simple magical little feature like that so do you have it spitting out something now yeah so i got the build tool working so okay. I have, let's review. I have a compiled mono. Yep. I have a compiled Xamarin. Yeah. And I have a build system that puts them into a cute little dot app. Great. <laughs> now you run the dot app, James. <laughs> and your computer hard freezes. No, oh, no. Not good. <laughs> not ideal. No. Not the best place to start. You're like, darn. <laughs> Missed it. Not going to run the first time. So reboot your computer. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Hold the button for five seconds. Hope oh, your yeah. files come back. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so what begins now is approximately 10 hours of single stepping through every single line, it feels like, of the mono source code, tracking down one error after another, mm. after another, after another. Because... Oh my goodness, <laughs> there were so many errors that I worked through. And there were so many times where I just said, this is the stopping error. Like, I, mm -hmm. I don't have the brain knowledge to get past this error. Maybe if I sat down with some of the mono engineers and explained to them what I've been doing for the last 10 hours, I could, <laughs> they might be able to get me through this error, but I don't know how to get through it. So there were just so... I want to say there were so many moments, but there were just two big moments like that where I just literally gave up on the project. I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. The mono runtime's not doing what I expect. Mac's not helping. You know, the worst part, you know, the worst errors in the world are those silent ones mm -hmm. where just nothing happens over and over and over again. The great breakthrough of the day was when I got the mono runtime to print out error messages mm. it was a revelation oh the, the heavens rained down upon me <laughs> yeah because it's not like you're debugging through like adding breakpoints doing through through things i'm assuming it's not that elegant at this point because it's sort of a very you know hacked up version of of the runtime yeah i don't want to call it hacked up i had a beautiful build script, oh, it was but yes <laughs> it was um um what's this? it was sous vide it was it's a nice sous vide it was fresh it was yeah <laughs> it's organic so some organic tomatoes that you took out and and diced up yeah. into a beautiful a beautiful <laughs> cheese and cracker plate with some fresh vegetables on the side yeah so at these uh, we're definitely at a low level here right and there is a lot of interplay between the runtime and the library system at this low level 
C sharp is talking to native, native is talking to C sharp. They're just going back and forth with each other. The good news is because I compiled everything myself on my machine, I could actually use a native debugger. So LLDB, the um, the LLVM debugger, it's on all Macs, and it's a really good native <laughs> debugger. The problem is there's this big interplay happening between managed code and native code, but I don't only get to see one side of it. Mm. And so the only time I get to see managed code executing is when it throws an exception. And oh boy, was it throwing exceptions, James. I could not get one thing to work. Like I would try to create an NS string. The NS string static constructor would call a new on an NS object. The NS object static constructor would call new on NS string. The NS string static constructor would try to load some Objective-C thing and then the world would explode. <laughs> and I would ponder life, all its meanings, and whether I should have just been an artist, just painting clouds all day. That's what I would like to do. That sounds great. <laughs> clouds are nice. Yeah, you do some blue, happy clouds, some happy trees. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay, so this is all me just whinging and whining because in the end, uh, somehow I actually was able to work through all of these errors. And five minutes after I was able to work through all those errors, I sent you a screenshot. So proud of myself <laughs> because it was such a monumentous moment. What happened was finally Mono was behaving itself. Xamarin was happy. The class library was talking to the runtime. They were getting along with each other. And lo and behold, it created an app window. It loaded a storyboard. The registrar kicked in. The class overloads were executing. And presto bango, I had turned an iOS app into a Mac app with a silly little batch script. I like it. In fact, well, the very first screenshot you sent me was of a white box on the screen. And that was like, yeah. I, don't know what, I don't know what I'm looking at here, Frank. Uh, and, then, and then you sent me another one, which is a box that said, hi, James from Mac Catalyst, which I thought was very nice. And there was uh, there was, you know, some some code in there, which was a a UI view controller. And that was popping up on my on the on the Mac just sitting there. It's like, hey. yeah. UI view controller and all its friends. Yeah. It's great. Uh, you know, the thing is, I've been programming iOS for 10 years now. I used to think that WinForms was my strongest API, UI API that I mm. knew. But the fact is, I've been programming UIKit for 10 years now. That's the thing that I know best. And it feels so good to be able to just use UIKit on Mac because... I spend so much time on the stupid Mac. I love my iPhone. I love my iPad. But I spend so much time on a Mac that I love that I can use my strongest API using my strongest languages on all the hardware I use all the time. It's so, I was going to say freeing, liberating. But those are the wrong words. It just feels good to have them all together, working yeah. together. Happy. One big, one big happy together. family. Yeah. So did did you get more than a blue box? Have you tried it on other things? Like, where is it at today? I mean, it's only been four, 24 hours since you texted me. But I mean, I'm assuming in that 24 hours, uh, you have all of your applications running on it elegantly. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I, um, I was burnt out. 
that was such a long day of programming. I, I spent a little bit of time after I texted you cleaning up like the build script and the packager to the point where I can just um, run it for any other app and that kind of stuff. But there's still a few hard coded strings here and there and a few little things here and there. You know, I, I've got the proof of concept working. I don't have, you know, a shippable product, <laughs> as they say. But at the same time, I know that I didn't use a lot of hacks. So I know like parts of it are are fine. You know, there, there's no there, no reason to worry about some parts of it. So it's really cosmetic things that I have to fix, like just improving that app uh, app bundler and all that. But the other thing is I was just exhausted. So I decided to take the day off and not do anything. I'd even do my Twitch stream. I was so exhausted from this little, little escapade. But I am really excited to see if I can get all my apps running in it. Yeah, I'm sure. excited to see where you take this and, and how it progresses. I know it's early days uh, and to kind of see where it goes. I mean, it's something that I've been excited for for a while. I haven't, you know, I haven't really... I know I've been excited for it, but I haven't been like, oh, I need it right now. This moment, you know, this is sort of pushing forward. But I think if it's just there, right, I'm not going to complain, you know, that it's like, oh, there's a oh, thing. Oh, you're not going to complain. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if there's an option to do it, I'm not going to complain. If there's even if there's an option not to do it, I'm not going to complain until I <laughs> until I absolutely need it. And then I'm like, oh, I really want this. Uh, but I will say that it it feels like a completion of the, the story a little bit. Of, of making it a possibility. Um, even though it doesn't sound as easy, it doesn't sound as easy as you thought it would be. So it's good. It's almost a good thing to think about. Cause if, if, if you went in and did it in like five seconds, you would have been like, Oh, come on, you know, but it, <laughs> it's almost good that you, you went through this process in, in a weird, wacky way of thinking. Yeah. I still feel like if I knew half of what the mono engineers actually know though, I would have been, I, I could have done it in half the time, but yeah, I agree with you. Um, and, and for the future, I, I think long-term I'll definitely be looking to getting these integrated into the real products, but in the short term, I was thinking I might actually, um, release it kind of like as a small group on GitHub or something like that. So stay tuned, watch me on Twitter. I'll probably release it in some form or another to a close group of somehow i don't know i hate managing groups but I'll, I'll figure something out like that um so give people an opportunity to try it out on their own apps uh because i'm sure it's gonna break in all sorts of wonderful and interesting ways <laughs> when it gets out into the real world i am in general even just normal catalyst without just even swift or objective c applications i'm also still interested to see the full like capabilities of what is possible with it and of course even with the arm stuff, I'm assuming it'll all be fine, but I don't know a hundred percent. Like I, you know, I know that like the stock app and the weather app and the news app are all catalyst or, you know, just apps running, but I'm fascinated to see the, the bigger, crazier apps. Like I think of the Adobe applications for iPad or whatever, are those just going to magically work? I, I don't know. I'm fa fascinated. <laughs> I don't know. So I'd be yeah. really interested to see how, how deep it goes. Cause in theory, it all should just work. You know, I, I can say from my point of view, what I'm going to do, I'm kind of hoping I've written my last app kit, honestly. Mm. I would much rather for the Apple platforms to focus on UI kit. A, I know it and love it. B, we've talked about it on the show before where it's so much easier to just focus on 
one UI system. So if you're like focused on Xamarin Forms, that's amazing because you can spend all your time making your app look amazing and then it looks amazing everywhere. Uh, I can do the same thing kind of on the Apple platforms where I can focus all my attention onto making the greatest UI kit, iPad app, however you want to think of it, and that'll translate into a good Mac app. So I'm excited for the future, um, especially as we keep saying the Apple Silicon thing with all the iOS apps coming to Mac that in that way. it's It feels like the right area of investment is to stay focused on UI kit uh, on, on those platforms. I think so. That's sort of what Apple has been telling us, I feel. So I'm going to keep listening and uh, going to keep watching all the cool stuff that you're doing. But yeah, feel free to write in to Frank. You can hit us up at mergeconflict.fm and of course, hop in our Discord, write a little little contact form, write in, or just follow us on Twitter. Frank is at Proclarum and I'm at James Montemagno. Frank, you're awesome. You're very smart, way smarter than I am. And uh, I'm really excited to see what you do with this and see what happens when you give it to other people. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, but that's going to do it for this week's Merge Conflict. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.